My Nickas. Welcome back to the latest, the greatest Nick's nonfiction here with your host, Medicus. Medicus Long. <laughs> Today on the show, we got a personal favorite author of mine, Fyodor Dostoevsky's The Idiot. Today we hear the tale of Prince Mishkin, a naive man thrown into the corrupt world of politics, money, society. Can his love for Nastasia Flippinova survive the dark times? You'll have to wait and see. Fyodor went to the Gulag. He was sent to be re-educated for thought crime, coming to a city near you. As you guys know, I'm a 1A absolutist, freedom of speech to the nth degree, and the N stands for... If you don't like this movie, or if you hate my voice, which is apparently a lot of people, watch the movie 2013 Frequencies. It's kind of like The Prince, but told in modern times. A boy is told he's too low frequency for a girl. They go to this fancy British prep school, and the boy is able to prove that linguistics is just as powerful as material science. It's on some Fyodor-level stuff. Another theme in that book. Why do they pump Mozart throughout Russian subways? Because it makes comrades all equal. Plenty of subtext in today's book. Three men are in the gulag. They start talking about why they're there. The first man says, I'm here because I spoke out against Trotsky. Second man says, I'm here because I spoke out in favor of Trotsky. Third man says, I am Trotsky. <laughs> about the author? Fyodor Dogstaevsky. Fido Dogstaevsky. For uh, new listeners, we've done them a few times. The Underground Man, Subconscious, Subconscious Action. That's huge if you're into psychology. We read Crime and Punishment. It's a coming-of-age story with a bunch of religion thrown in there. Fyodor, he's proved himself on the show. Nietzsche, some other favorites, source their material from him. So yeah, let's see if the idiot lives up to it. You think you could escape Stalin's re-education camp? <laughs> Gulag with that. <laughs> Let's go, baby, the idiot. All right, let me throw in a dip. You're going to find similarities between yourself and Fido here. Prince Mishkin is the main character. All righty, chapter one, the idiot, the wanderer. On a foggy morning in late November, a train from Warsaw arrives in St. Petersburg. Two men in third class strike up a conversation. One is Prince Lev Nikolaychev Mishkin a fair-haired man with a white beard and blue eyes. The other is Parfion Rogosin, a short, dark-haired man with small gray eyes. I didn't even know his middle name was Nikolaychev. I forgot about that. So I'm kind of sensing a plot hole already. A prince is in third class. That's a booksin. I caught you, Fyodor. Prince Mishkin is returning to Russia from Switzerland after he's been there for four years. The family stuck him in some home because they said he was sick. He's not like the rest of everyone. Mishkin heard his distant cousin, Madame Yapanchin, was going to be in town, and he's always had a crush on her, so he's feeling up to go home. What is this, fucking Alabama? <laughs> he likes his cousin. <laughs> she hasn't returned any of uh, his letters. She is... Her dad is a very powerful general, Yapanchin. And so, yeah, he hides his daughters away. Rogosin, the other man on the train, he's wearing a large sheepskin-lined coat. He's returning to Russia from Piskov, and he's trying to claim the inheritance of two and a half million rubles after his father's recent death. Yeah, several bonds had to be paid off. Rogosin is a bit of a scoundrel, you'll see. 
He sold he sold the bonds and bought Nastasia Flipanova diamond earrings worth ten thousand rubles. Nastasia, that's our bad girl for the day. Ooh, Nastasia. Everybody falls for Nastasia. After his father found out, Ragazin's father, he ran away to Piskov, and now he's coming home. Ragazin convinces Mishkin to meet Flipanova for the first time with him. He's like if she sees I'm traveling around with a prince, then he'll think I got big things going on. He's trying to impress Nastasia. Mishkin's like, I got to see what the hubbub is about if this chick is actually hot. Nastasia. I need a smart Russian bitch. Do they still exist? Rogozin. They go, uh, Mishkin, he actually goes home first. And this is when the idiot stuff starts. So he's going to meet up with Rogozin later. He goes to General Yapanshin's house. He rose to the ranks by knowing how to act around the right people. He's the one with the three hot daughters. And yeah, this is a theme in the book. Idiot. The idiot is the one who doesn't act how they're supposed to in social situations. Mishkin is a traveler. Traveler? I can't talk. He's a loose gun. Helicopter, Helicopter, get it? He's a loose gun. Mishkin might make a fool of himself in front of the general. The irony tees off with Mishkin. He's not knowing how to tailor his message. He goes, Hey, General, you'll probably like this story. I once saw a guy get his head chopped off in Prance. France? <laughs> Pranced around. Mishkin doubles down. I believe capital punishment is immensely cruel. The condemned suffers far more than he would have if he were murdered by some thieves. For instance, because in an execution there is no hope. The general is like, who the fuck is this guy preaching anti-killing precepts in my living room? What are you doing here? Are you trying to bang my daughter? It's a scene. Mishkin, he continuously reassures the general that his only intention is coming to make the acquaintance of the general and his wife, Madame Yaponchin, and the prince's only relative in St. Petersburg is their family. So no love interest for now. After a couple more travel stories, the general is lightening up. Then Mishkin misses the mark again. You know, I was sent away by my family to cure my idiocy. The general's like, that can't be true. You're well-spoken. You're a traveler. You must have a skill. So Mishkin writes some calligraphy for him, and he's able to convince the general, yeah, you're not, you're a normal person. To move on the plot, Mishkin overhears two of the servants in the house saying, Nastasia Flipanova is a fallen woman. She's had sex before marriage. And this is the guy that Rogalson was talking about. The chick, she's big news all over town. Nastasia. It's even a hot name. Totsky is introduced here. This is an industrialist who's friends with the general. And Nastasia was educated by Totsky. They also had a love affair. She's a twice fallen woman. <laughs> the last time Totsky saw Nastasia. He said she turned from being a shy country girl to a mature, spiteful woman. A freak in the set. Totsky tried to entice her and her husband to come to St. Petersburg with no money. She said no. So Dostoevsky he tried to make it a point that Nastasia is one of the smartest people in the play. It's funny, uh, you know, who's the idiot? Russians. So they're at the mansion. Mishkin meets Madame Yaponchin for the first time. The general's wife. 
Mishkin opens up, tells a story about the only thing curing his sadness was a donkey that he found in Switzerland. He went to this high-end mental hospital, and the only thing that made him happy was seeing a donkey. So all the ladies are laughing at him. Oh my god, like, why don't you just get a girlfriend? That makes everybody happy. Mishkin joins in on a laugh. Yep, I'm an idiot. And then they all stop laughing. So, you know, this you're not allowed to laugh with us. The joke is on you. Seinfeld. He tells the middle daughter, Adelaide, about a dying man whose face she should paint. Because Adelaide's like, I'm a painter. I'm like an artist. And she's like, oh my god, no. Artists are supposed to paint happy things. We paint bowls of fruits, not dying men. He tells a story about a Swiss girl. Marie was seduced was seduced and abandoned by a traveling merchant. She was then condemned by everyone in the village, including her own mother and the pastor. In order to confront Marie and to express his pity for her, Mishkin bought her some money and kissed her. Then Marie was befriended by some of the children in the village. The children believed the prince loved her romantically. In reality, Mishkin only felt great pity for her. The villagers began to dislike Mishkin because they accused him of corrupting the children. Shortly thereafter, Marie died of consumption. So he tried to befriend this whore on the road, and it didn't go well. He was exiled from society. You see, he doesn't know how to act in society. You have to hate who we hate. Otherwise, we hate you too. After the lunch, Ganya, one of the help, invites Mishkin to his apartment. They go out to the country. Mishkin entertains the family with some more travel stories. Then an unexpected guest arrives at the door. That was the wrong soundboard. Nastasia Flipanova makes her entrance. Mishkin immediately entranced by her beauty. He said she makes him look like a servant. Ganya is filled with fright at the thought of all the information she will able to collect about his family, which she might use later to humiliate him in high society. Ganya, even more embarrassed as his low-level general father, he's starting to spout off lies. Hey, Nastasia, you want to see my new car? He doesn't have a new car. Nastasia calls him out for all the lies, so she's not having any of it. Ganya sitting there red in the face. Another unexpected guest arrives. Dun, dun. Ragazin, he's drunk as a skunk and spouts off. Nastasia, you're not going to marry this Ganya guy. Look how poor his family is. He slaps 18,000 rubles on the table, promises her 40,000 and then 100,000. Nastasia's like, go home, you're drunk. Ganya's sister spits in his face. Speaking of which. She's like, you're going to sit there and take that? This... This, this Rogazin guy just slapped money on our table. Get in a fight right now. <laughs> Ganya's about to hit his sister, and Mishkin grabs his hand. So Ganya turns around and hits Prince Mishkin. Mishkin says what everyone's too afraid to. Nastasia, go home. This is your fault. Men will be men. You know you're too hot to be in public. Put on a burqa. Yes, yes, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> not only that, he says your behavior does not reflect you. So it's like, she knows what she's doing. She just wants some drama. Dostoevsky, he's in the zone here. Nastasia turns to Ganya's mother, and it's like, you're right. You know, Mishkin, he was right. You should leave the apartment. Moving to chapter two, potty time. One of the kids in the family at Ganya's house, they take Prince Mishkin out for a walk. They're going, you're a good man, Mishkin. Ganya 
which would have probably like uh, challenged you to a duel if you stayed in the house. It's Russian custom. If you get slapped by another man, you must fight to death. Ganya shows up, apologizes to Mishkin. He says, hey, you think I have a shot with Nastasia? And Mishkin is like, I guess you do, as much as the average man. Again, with the over-honesty, just say, yeah, you're going to wed her and dine her. And so Ganya's like, so you think I'm average? <laughs> Ganya changes the subject, saying his dad is a liar. It's him. Let me project my anger onto him. And then, yeah, Mishkin gets asked by Ganya, wait, are you in love with her too? Mishkin says no, but Ganya doesn't believe him. So the kid goes away. Mishkin... Gives him $25 for his troubles. And the next day is the big party at Nastasia's. Mishkin decides to show up uninvited, underdressed. The place is crappy, but it's well furnished from all the gifts she receives from other men. Mishkin gets nervous when Nastasia greets him, tells her she's utter perfection. She's blushing at the door. Oh my god. So everybody at the party knows Mishkin trying to smash. Out of nowhere... Fredchenko suggests a game where everyone has to tell the group the worst thing they've ever done. A quick round of Never Have I Ever. Nobody wants to play. The men sign up trying to impress Nastasia. They draw short sticks to see who goes first. The order goes Fredchenko, then Pitsian, then Totsky. What did Dostoevsky play drinking games in the gulag? So this is a good scene, though. Will the idiot lie about his worst deed, or is he going to tell the truth like always? Fredchenko starts. He says the worst thing he's ever done was steal three rubles at dinner and then allow the host to suspect the maid, and the maid was fired. <gasps> Everyone's disgusted. Fredchenko, how could you do that? And then Pitsin, seeing the crowd's reaction, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to play this game. <laughs> the general's up next. He says his worst action was a time when he cursed an old lady out as she was dying. And Fredchenko calls bullshit. <laughs> Totsky tells a story, the industrialist. He once knew a young married couple and another young man who was desperately in love with the wife. It happened to be the wife's birthday. They were reading a novel together. Uh, she wanted a bouquet of red camellias. So basically Totsky shows up with the red camellias before the husband can. So his worst crime is breaking up true love. Another one. So at this point, nobody wants to play the game anymore. Ragazin, he shows up, as always, drunk as all hell, and slaps 100,000 rubles down on the table. He's like, Nastasia, you and me right now honeymoon. Let's get out of here. Oh my God, this is my party. It's my party, I can cry if I want, drink vodka if I want to. Nastasia breaks down into this long speech. The main thing she wanted to get off her chest is that she can't get over the fact that Totsky stopped pursuing her, the rich industrialist. There's three other suitors and a 100,000 rubles on the table. There's all these other guys interested in her. The only thing she could think about is the one guy who's not giving her enough attention. Fucking chicks. At least she's honest. Nastasia says, now nobody wants me. Mishkin is the first one to interrupt. That's a lie. You know everybody here is obsessed with you, Mish uh, Nastasia. 
So everyone in the room starts looking at Mishkin. How could you break up her thing at her own party? He's like, it's just the truth. <laughs> she tells Mishkin, I don't need you. And then she throws Ragazin's envelope into the fire. That was a year's salary. So she's making a point. The money isn't what it's about. I need everybody to be obsessed with me. It's the female fantasy. She runs out of the party. Totsky, the old chap, gets the last word. It's a shame all that beauty should go to a loss. Chapter 3. Aftermath. Fyodor laying down the heat. I need a breath here. I didn't know they had feminists in old Russia. I don't need a man. I'll throw your money in the fire. <laughs> Every time a therapist sees a purple-haired bitch walk into the office, here comes the money. But yeah, every scene is a parable. That's why I like Dostoevsky. He just destroyed the girl boss movement in one chapter. Bro, it's all a parable. Everything is a universal truth written out in a story. Six months pass after Nastasia's party. Mishkin goes to Moscow to collect his inheritance. A bunch of creditors took half the money in administrative fees. After the party, Ragazin left for Yekertinov. And Nastasia meets him there, and they have a week-long orgy. This bitch. A little loose around the edges. They had a fucking orgy. He also showed up to Nastasia's party. It was Ragasin, a boxer, and then another guy. He basically showed up with the mob, and then they all raw-dogged her in Siberia. <laughs> so Ragasin, he follows her to Moscow, and Nastasia just starts running away from him. She can't be seen, but she got everybody to love her. Mishkin, he decides to stay in Moscow, pay the general a visit, all the Yapanchin daughters. The youngest daughter, Adelaida has a new pursuitor, Prince S. Is that where suitor comes from? I didn't even mean to say that. A pursuitor. Mishkin gets word from one of the help that Nastasia is fleeing from Nagaza out of fear. And uh, Mishkin's like, I gotta go find her and talk her off the ledge. Mishkin goes to visit Ragazin. His house is dark, dismal. He makes a comment immediately. Hey, this kind of reflects your lifestyle, Ragazin. Can't hold his tongue. Mishkin tells him that he doesn't intend to interfere with his relationship with Nastasia, which Ragazin doesn't believe. He also makes no effort to hide the fact that the marriage between the two of them is certainly going to fail. So that innocent guy, Ganya, maybe their marriage could have worked. But Mishkin's telling Ragazin, you're a fucking scoundrel, bro. You'll never successfully marry her. Ragazin says, she's probably doing all this hoping that I will kill her. And Mishkin's like... Yeah, you're right. That chick has a death wish. So before Mishkin leaves, Ragazin stops to look at a painting of Christ. And he's being taken off the cross. So Ragazin asks him, do you believe in God, Mishkin? He tells four travel stories. The fourth is the most noteworthy. It's a story about a young mother. She's delighted with her newborn. And Mishkin thinks that God feels joy in his creation the same way a mother feels joy in her child. So the two men, it's not that deep of a story. They exchange crosses. So Mishkin is confused at first. He's wandering the streets. And then he has that 
crime and punishment scene. He breaks down at the crossroads. It's a common theme in Dostoevsky. And there's much deeper subtext about trading the cross. He went to Ragazin's apartment. Now he's obsessed with the chick. So his mind and his heart are flooded with extraordinary light, torment, doubt, anxiety. He's like having a breakdown. Mishkin overcome with desire when he goes and he just wants to find Nastasia. So he goes to Nastasia. She's not home. And he sees Ragazin has been following him around St. Petersburg the entire day. So then uh, Mishkin asks Koila, a kid, to go spend some time with him to prevent being murdered. He doesn't trust Ragazin following him around. Mishkin spends a few days in hiding. He reads Don Quixote. Yeah, these books are 500 pages. He read a book within a book. <laughs> and like the main takeaway from Don Quixote, he's realizing he doesn't need a woman. Like, it doesn't have to be Nastasia. It's about the mother of God or the divine feminine archetype. It doesn't have to be this whore that everybody's fetishizing. You just need a chick, Mishkin. Ragazin and his goons show up, and they try to shake down Mishkin for his inheritance. They threaten to kill him, say you have three days. Mishkin skips town. Comes back after a little while. Visits Prince S. and Adelaide in the general's family. Prince S. asks Mishkin, tell me about uh, this Nastasia chick, like in front of his potential wife. So who's this chick I'm hearing about? Everybody thinks she's hot. He can't help himself. The general's wife comes in the door, asks if he has any interest in the middle daughter. So Mrs. General is trying to set up Mishkin with one of the daughters. And Mishkin is like, she wrote me a letter saying to never visit your house again last time I was here. I don't think she's into me. But Madame Yapanchin, she likes Mishkin. So she gets mad at her own daughter. She tells Mishkin to bust a move because otherwise that low-life Ganya is going to take her. Chapter 4. Park Palaver. Daskaevi. Didn't say that right. He always ditches the plot in the middle of the story and tries to just go for some truth before the story hits critical mass. So it's a little bit preachy, but I want to hear this guy's thoughts. Kind of a good philosopher. He says, Practical people are in lack in the modern day. The definition of a practical man is one who lacks originality or initiative. As a result, in Russia, it is much more prestigious to be a general than an inventor or a genius, for being a general is a sign of stable and quiet life. The Yapanchins are neither contemptible nor practical because the daughters bring a lack of stability. So you see the parallels between Ganya's family and the general. One is low society, one is high society, but they're both addicted to the drama. So they're both living contemptible lives. There's more wealth, but there's less strength. The binding idea does not exist anymore. Everything has turned soft. Everything is rotten. People are rotten. <laughs> Rotten like cabbage. Always has been, always will be Dostoevsky. Enough of the preaching. Madame Yapanchin and Mishkin, they get along so well that Madame Yapanchin, she's saying, you know, I've been known for my eccentricity. I've been known for my self-consciousness. Everybody in high society tells me that I'm like a child. And that goes along with the theme that Mishkin is always inviting kids over to his house. And she thinks that the similarity between Mishkin and Madame Yapanchin is that both of them don't want to live in high society and they don't try to pretend. 
So Madame Yapanchin, Mishkin, the three daughters, Princess, Radomsky, irrelevant. They go out onto the veranda to, you know, chop it up. Mishkin takes Prince S very seriously. He's asking them about the state of Russia. And Radomsky tries to pull out some inconsistencies in Mishkin's line of argument. How can Mishkin not have noticed that the group has the same moral perversion of which he's complaining about? So it goes to the thing before. Everybody is rotten. Maybe not everybody. Because they go to the park next. Aglaya, the daughter that Mishkin's being set up with, she pulls him aside. You're better than everyone at the party. Yada yada, she blows him. As they walk through the park, they see three women surrounded by a group of admirers. Mishkin goes over, and one of the whores is Nastasia. She pulls a crowd in the middle of the day in the park. Nastasia slaps one of the admirers in the face, and then a cop is about to arrest her, but Mishkin talks the cop out of arresting her. So they return to the house without Nastasia. Nastasia and Mishkin agree to meet up later. Aglaya offers Mishkin the family revolver. She's going, you, you just almost got slapped by a cop. You got to go duel this guy. Another one of these chicks. Oh my god, if he doesn't fight for you, he doesn't love you. Chicks. Get that contemptible theme? You have a great life. Why are you trying to duel people? Mishkin says, same shit he told Madame before. You gotta be a kid, I'm not dueling a fucking cop. <laughs> they talk to a couple hobos in the park. They go back out for a walk. One of the guys is handicapped. One of the other guys' kids froze to death. So Aglaya is starting to see all of her family's problems are superfluous. They're looking for problems because their life is boring. They got it all figured out. Aglaya irrelevant the hobo goes deep what is in all this beauty for me when every minute every second i am obliged forced to know that even this tiny gnat buzzing near me in the sunlight now is taking part in all this banquet this chorus it knows its place it loves its place it is happy and i am alone as an outcast even the goddamn flies are happy aglaya Having her idealism crushed, she turns to Mishkin. Oh my god, he has to be wrong. Mishkin's like, yeah, babe. <laughs> Whatever you want. Aglaya breaks down crying, knowing that he's just appeasing her. And then she leaves, and Mishkin goes to find Nastasia. She asks Mishkin if he's happy, but he runs away before he can answer. So Nastasia is also not happy being the free, independent girl-slinging pussy. Doesn't make her happy. Sir, Mishkin is left alone to tell nobody how he feels. Aww. Chapter 5. A week passes since the park. Aglaya going through with her pan to marry Ganya. So she saw she didn't have the chemistry with Mishkin. She's going to settle for Ganya. That sucks to be Ganya in this story. He's just the settler. Aglaya doesn't want to upset her dad. So she tells the general that she's going to be marrying Mishkin. And she doesn't even tell her uh, fucking Mishkin. So the dad, the general throws a party. Oh my god, my daughter's getting married. And at the party, Aglaya puts Mishkin on the spot. Hey everybody, she clinks her glass. I'm getting married to Prince Mishkin. 
And Mishkin plays along with it. <laughs> speech, speech, speech. Mishkin has to speak up on the spot. He kind of goes no holds barred. He has this whole rant about high society going deep. You guys, hit, even flies are sh- on shit are happier than you. He's swinging his hands around. High society, it's so promiscuous. And then he shatters one of their expensive Chinese vases. So people were listening to him, but now that he shattered one of their sacred vases, no one can listen anymore. He keeps going. I don't understand how one can walk by a tree and not be happy at the sight of it, or to speak with a man and not be happy in loving him. There are so many things at every step so beautiful. But he didn't mention money. At the end of his speech, Mishkin experiences an epileptic fit. He has a fit, so all the high society people write off everything he said. He's like, how are you going to let your daughter marry that sickly man? So now even the general is getting talked down to by the other high society folk. You let this seizure-having idiot into your house. Everybody leaves the party. Aglaya runs out crying. <laughs> she meets with Michigan the next day, saying, You're off the hook. We don't have to get married anymore. My family hates you. But of course, Madame Yaponchin, she was the only one that liked the speech. She kind of ended it pretty bitchy. She was like, Mishkin, if I wanted you to love me, you already would. And Mishkin's like, all right, I guess this is it between us. They uh, have a meeting the next day, though. Aglaia's still kind of trying to get him back. Remember the female fantasy? So Aglaia says she will agree to meet with Nastasia and Mishkin. And they do. You read these... Ayn Rand, a lot of literature, it's about a love triangle around a girl, so that's the Nastasia storyline. But finally, Mishkin has two love interests here. The minute Nastasia shows up to the meeting, both women look each other up and down like rivals, but they play nice, you know. Nastasia takes the high road. I'm sorry for sending letters to Mishkin, you know, I know he's yours. But she ends up bitchy. She's going, if I wanted Mishkin, he would have been mine. <laughs> So they're both saying the same thing. <laughs> Doesn't matter what the man wants. Mishkin, he's trying to say, no, you're both right. He's in an impossible situation. And Aglaya storms out. I thought we were engaged, even though we called it off and I didn't tell you we were engaged. <laughs> and so Nastasia starts having a seizure. And so Mishkin has to stay and take care of her while Aglaya runs to Ganya's house to get married. So two weeks past, Nastasia and Mishkin have been reacquainting. He tried to go to the general's house, but is banned for life because <laughs> he broke the sacred vase. Mishkin now is also banned from most of the high society circles. So he's just spending time in the country with Nastasia. Ragazin gets word, still a jealous mess. He hires two guys to try to get Mishkin sent to a mental asylum. So the wedding day arrives, Nastasia and uh, Mishkin are about to get married because they're both exiled from high society. Nastasia's walking down the aisle and she sees Ragazin in the crowd. The goon snuck his way into the wedding. Fucking Ragazin. Out of nowhere, do you take Mishkin to be your lawfully wedded husband? 
Nastasia runs down the aisle, and Ragazin follows her. They take a train to St. Petersburg. No! Mishkin, finally ready to love, got to ran out on the altar. <laughs> the next morning, Mishkin takes a plane, a train to St. Petersburg to Ragazin's house, and they're not there. He goes to his hotel from last night where Ragazin tried to shake him down. And this time, as he thought, Ragazin was following him. So Ragazin shows up at Mishkin's hotel room, and he's like, come with me. We were actually having a honeymoon down the hall. Mishkin follows Ragazin's to his room, where they see Nastasia laying under the sheets with a knife stuck into her stomach. Ragazin killed her, just like Mishkin predicted. Remember that scene? He was like, your love for this girl is way too close to hate. She wants to die and you want to kill. This is terrible. So Ragazin breaks down crying. He's in this delirious state. I, I killed her. I killed her. He lays down on the floor. Mishkin lays there comforting him. And when the cops arrive, just as Ragazin planned, they arrest Mishkin for the murder. make him look crazy yet again. Mishkin sentenced to 15 years of hard labor in Siberia. <laughs> he spends his inheritance to send to a client in Switzerland. And yeah, when he gets out, he's in the same place the story started, on a train, broke, heading back to Russia. Full motherfucking circle by Fyodor Dostoevsky. His take on the story, he says, I read some, like, interpretations. Society is not ready for a man like Prince Mishkin. We're not ready to tell the truth to one another. We love our illusions. Do you agree with Fyodor? It's up to you, the reader. There you guys have it. Fyodor Dostoevsky, the idiot. These books are so fucking good. <laughs> I love literature, bro. The classics. Oh... We'll read some, like, Philip K. Dick in the future, the postmodern, too, but these classics, I'm telling you, it's all the psychology laid out in a perfect parable. Seriously, thank you guys for being here. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm going to be out here cleaning up my act, trying to make the shows more listenable. I suggest you read these, listen to an audiobook yourself as well. But more importantly, live your own hero's journey, because we're all in a motherfucking story out here. Thank you, the Knickers, for the continued support. As I said, I'm trying to get better every single week. Patreon.com slash niche. We go in deep over there still. The crowd we just read. And we got an even deeper one planned for the February secret book. Harry shit if you want some free memes. Nick Munez signing off. <laughs>